Welcome to Craft Community, the local Irish beer podcast brought to you by the independent craft brewers of Ireland and Board Beer. I'm your host, Susan Boyle, international beer judge and award-winning beer writer. And today we're going to be delving into the importance of place and community to Irish craft beers. I'm joined by Seamus McMahon from Brehan Brewhouse, Aileen Crean from Tom Crean's Brewery and Adrian Heslin from West Kerry Brewery. I'm delighted to be joined by Seamus McMahon from Brehan Brewhouse. You've come, you've come all the way into studio down the road um, to us. And I suppose what I'd love to talk to you about is I've, I've been such a fan of your beers for such a long time. Tell us a little bit about your brewery, I suppose. There's no point in me saying it. You tell us. Yeah, well, I suppose, Susan, you're probably one of the first visitors in 2014 when we set up. So basically, we're sitting on a dairy farm in County Monaghan and we've cows one side and we've a brewery the other side. Um, four daughters, um, milk sort of fluctuating in price, sort of from a high of 40 cent back to 18 cent, which is below the cost of production. And myself and my wife, Siobhan, decided to uh, diversify. And I suppose of all the things we could diversify into, we ended up um, diversifying into, into craft beer. Mm-hmm. Now, the story is that we, um, we we drank a lot of it one night and with, with uh, mutual friends and decided then that it was the way to go. We went to a local enterprise office. Uh, it was around the time of the demise of the Celtic Tiger and uh, went with a business plan and cap in hand and decided to back us. Uh, so for the rest, I suppose, the history, we started off with a 10-barrel brewing plant, um, done our brewing course in uh, Manchester with the great Dave uh, Porter. I uh, came back home with a, more than a hangover than, than the knowledge of how to brew. And we a went taste a, for it, Seamus. A taste for it, yeah. <laughs> and we decided we had branding and everything set up and we decided then, no, we can't brew. So we hired in um, professional help uh, in the form of, of, of a brewer. And I suppose our initial plant was quite basic. It was um, 10 barrel and it was cooled by water. Mm-hmm. And so it left us so we could basically like the three bears when you could brew when it was a day like today when it was too cold we couldn't brew because it freeze and it was too warm we couldn't brew because it couldn't cool it down enough and it was just it had to be just right so I suppose from, from small beginnings um, we we um, we moved on then we got a few contracts Computer Food Academy with Super Value um, we got a couple of contracts then with, with um, Aldi and Lidl and um, put in about 50 taps locally and realised then that there may be something in this um, and we moved on then to a 30 barrel plant all the mod cons, et cetera, et cetera. So at the minute now we're sitting there with um thirty barrel plant, um glycol cooled, um steam heated, uh, so we can brew all the bells right, and whistles. All, all, all whistles. Yeah. So um I suppose it's been it's been a journey, yeah. Yeah, I love it. The The first time that I came up to visit you, I was utterly charmed by it. Like it really is a working dairy farm. Um, I think you offered to make me a cup of tea because I was driving. So <laughs> I was only able to have a sip of the beer and you literally like it was fresh milk from a real cow. Yeah. And like I I grew up in Kildare. I'm I'm not I'm not really a townie, but oh, I just I thought it was utterly magic. This um, sense of creating something, you know, in a landscape um, and such a beautiful landscape as well. Well, we are we are in the rolling drum hills of Monaghan. Um, we always say that it was always too much land in Monaghan. We stacked it high. <laughs> um, so we're, we're probably, I suppose, um, uh, where, where we are is from where we're sitting here today. We're probably an hour and fifteen minutes from the centre of Dublin. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you, you look at Monaghan and people think we're up, uh, way up, we're Nordy. So you can hear my accent, it's not a Nordy accent. <laughs> it, it's it's sort of a boggy sort of Monaghan accent uh, on, on, on the south side of Monaghan. A charming accent, Seamus. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, yeah. so I suppose where we are, we are quite lucky in the fact that we were fit, fit to keep the brewery on the farm. It that, that gives it that sort of uh, uniqueness. You know, mm-hmm. we're not in, a, in an urban jungle, we're not in a, in a retail unit. As I said, cows one side, uh, brewery the other side. And also that it's a it's a business that fits into what you were doing already, or fits alongside what you were doing already. You know, yeah, you still well, have the cows. It's a, it's it's an extension of primary producers. You know, we, we've been third generation dairy farming. You know, it's 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 a it's an occupation. I I've, I find it it's more like a vocation a vaca- vocation mm-hmm. than a vacation. <laughs> and and I suppose um, what you're, you're never going to get rich at it. But um, you'll get a lot of satisfaction out of it. And I found the same with the beer. You know, it's a primary produced product. Um, the difference between it and the milk, I suppose, is the milk's collected every day mm-hmm. or every second day. Uh, it's made into X and Y ingredients, you know, added on, added on in value. Uh, 80% of it's exported. Mm-hmm. Quite similar to the beer, you know, um, we get three or four raw ingredients. We produce anything from 3.4 to up to 11% barrel aged uh, stouts. The difference, I suppose, stops there in the fact that we've exported 75% of it, but we have to source those markets ourselves. Ah. And that's just a, that's, that is the difference. And that's what takes the headspace up, I suppose. Yeah. But sure, I've seen you put your beer on sailing ships and everything, Seamus, to get it to people. <laughs> like, there's nothing stops you getting your beer into people's hands. Yeah, I suppose that's that's a wee anecdote, I suppose, about our, our, Paris, our, our Paris, our French contact. He's a, a local Carrick Macross lad. A wee bit, wee bit more hipster than myself now. Um, does drink out of a jam jar and all does all those mod things. Um, so he's his own wee school in in Paris. Um, so uh, English to French, and he also imports our beer uh, through a company called Entu Commerce. And he takes it in on a sailboat. It, it departs from either Cove or, or Dunmore East, and arrives in on the coast of Paris or the coast of France, and then is, is shuttled across to Paris. And everything's done manually. It's it's. The pallets are stripped or put into the galley and are taken out of the galley and are assembled on the far side and on, under the nose of the customs. Even even Monaghan people now, we wouldn't go that far to jump uh, customs or do anything like that. Um, so we have his own wee shop in, in, in downtown Paris and um, he also supply, uh, supplies a lot of beer to um, the wee corporate uh, outings uh, and he supplies it on a, on a ruckshaw. Amazing. Yeah, and it's because we bask on the front and we bask on the back. Amazing. I've had it in the Irish Embassy. You've had indeed, yeah. You've had indeed. I have, which was such a treat to see it, to see it appear there. Um, And I love this idea of your connection to people and to place as well, to find these people who can can bring your beer and have the unusual story about how, how it got to other people. But you also have a real connection to to place and you were telling me you had lots you had lots of tourists who come and visit you. Yeah, so we are outside Enniskeen, the village of Enniskeen, which I suppose anyone of my vintage would know the name Patrick Kavanagh, Stony mm-hmm. Grey Isle of Manahan, etc. Yeah. Raglan Road, all those wonderful poems. And on the other side then, 5k out the other road then is the town of Carrick Macross and on us oh. with Carrick Macross Lace. So we're sort of on a wee mini, um, a wee mini tourist trail, would you, yeah. you call it? You know, Carrick Macross Lace one side, uh, Patrick Cavanagh Interpretive Centre, and then the skin on the other, and Brehan stuck in the middle. Wonderful. So um, anyone that has a, a, a love of craft beer or, or even a touch for a drop of milk or a drop of beer. Uh, commuting from Carrick across and the skiing on a bus, it's a logical place to stop. It's utterly unique, like to combine those those two aspects: the Carrick Macross lace, which is 
a worldwide phenomenon and Patrick Havner as well like to to have that legacy of um arts and crafts and um creativity i suppose on your doorstep it, it just seems to make sense that it would be fertile ground for um for a brewery to yeah well again i suppose monaghan people are in in their nature and I suppose back to the stony grey soil of Monaghan in yeah. comparison to the plains of Kildare where you oh, come I from, know. Susan. The land, the land, <laughs> but we're the, no landowners. The, the, land, the land is quite demanding and I suppose uh, to have that entrepreneurial, uh, you know, thing about them, like, you know, it'd be a ginery, be it mushrooms, be it mm-hmm. be um, wheat, uh, light in, uh, engineering plants, down and again to the brewing uh and I suppose uh, we have we have been blessed, I suppose, with artists of, of various guises. I suppose I always mentioned Patrick Cavanagh, but never forget Oliver Hall- Oliver Callan, who lives down the road uh, across the hill from us. Um, so he, he's he's um, his father and uh, and his brother have, have worked with me on, on various projects around the farm. Wonderful. So yeah. Creative people. Creative people. Well, you have to, I suppose you have to be, no yeah. matter where you make a sense of place. You know, I suppose, I'm saying man is unique, but I suppose rural Ireland is quite similar. You know, people um, from small acorns, massive, massive trees grow, yeah. you know. And I think this is what we want to celebrate, particularly in this episode of this podcast, is the uniqueness and why your beer couldn't be made really anywhere else. It has this sense of it comes from you, it comes from your brewery, but it also comes from the place. It's not a generic mass market um, product. It has a level of craft and skill and consistency. And even just on a practical level that the majority of what goes into making beer, obviously, is a lot of hard work, but there's a lot of water that goes into it and you have your own water source as well so it couldn't be from anywhere else Well there's, there's a lake for every I think every day in Monaghan I think there's 365 lakes and we have a deep bore well on the farm um, and you know the underlying rock is is quite limey mm-hmm. so, so the, the water groundwater or the, the board water is is quite is quite alkaline mm-hmm. which induces um, really good uh, stouts so I suppose um not being not being big headed about it, but we probably have a very good reputation of producing pretty good stouts, you know. And it is down to that that uh, that magic ingredient called H two O water. H two O, it's brilliant. Yeah, I really look forward to any of your um, your stouts, the ones that are are heavier in alcohol, the lovely special edition Crown Bahas that come out at Christmas time, like really really nice. Yeah, and I suppose we were lucky as well. We have um, you know the Great Northern Distillery beside us, and mm-hmm. an endless amount of fresh um, whiskey barrels. Um, to which we get our hands on filled with the, with, the, with the stouts um, to produce the cranberries, as you said, uh, the Shanko doves, the um, Raglan roads, and uh, we've sort of we cask uh, cask made thing going on with with, um, with them there now, and the barrels go back and are filled with the best of Irish whiskey. That's wonderful. Yeah. I love this combination of of ingenuity and and one uh, drinks industry complementing and working with another drinks industry for something delicious. And again, Susan, here's the, loca- the local aspect of it as well. Dundalk is uh, 14 kilometres out the road. Um, the malls come from uh, Hagerstown, uh, Lockerns Malls up the road. So we can almost see, the, see it growing in the fields, you know, where, where before it's malted. So we know exactly. So if we're telling about Providence, we can exactly say where it came from, that's you know. amazing. I think that's something that we really have as a huge asset and strength within the Irish craft beer industry is the ability to tell these different stories that are about place and then connect to the other food and drink industries as well. Um, 
and I think that's just by the geographic location of us being small. Um, it really enables us to be able to do that. But it's great to see you actually putting it into practice. One thing for having a theory about it, but to actually do it on the ground. Yeah, well, look at look at let's let's call a spade a spade. Ireland is is the is the food island. It's the green island. It's it's all those things. And I suppose the, the wee thing we're doing is, you know, it's wonderful, but in the overall scale, it, it's a wonderful country to produce food. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Um, I also think that the journey that your brewery has been on is is fascinating, that, that when you get to visit it and you have this old famine cottage, pre-famine cottage, and this banking brand new brewery with a really glam canning line, <laughs> I just think it's wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's you know, again, back to, back to Harping, we were very lucky that we kept the cottage and we kept the old farmhouse and we, we converted the, the old farmhouse into the tap room. So I always tell the story, you know, my, my father never drank. My grandfather drank the place dry and I'm sort of in between. And, you know, when you, when you go to the cottage, um, you walk in the door and the old dressers is there and the old range is there, you know, from my father's time. And uh, I was in, the, in one of the bedrooms there. Till I was five years of age till I was rescued. And we moved, we moved down in 1974 to, to a new, um, a new uh, bungalow. And, we, you know, the house was mothballed until we built the brewery. And I suppose the fact that the brewery exists is the fact that the house still exists on the farm. You know, the relations relationship of the house to, to my cousins and to my aunties and to my extended family, you know, it, it's it's poignant to me, but it's really, really poignant to them, you know, mm-hmm. and that it's still there. They can come in and they can sit down where, where, their, where their mother was, where, where the mother reared them at the fire, you know, and... and um, you know, there has been a few tears shed, you know, and I don't I don't think it's all related to drink now, but it has been a few tears shed in, in, in that house since we've done it back up, you know. That's amazing. Keeping that alive, having the history, um, looking forward to doing this brilliant modern brewery and having delicious beers um, in people's hands that then sustains all this is just a uniquely wonderful story. Seamus, it's been wonderful chatting um, through um, all this with you on this podcast and and we're hoping with this podcast that it will help people discover beers that maybe they're familiar with or maybe other beers that they would like to try more of but to hear the stories behind those beers is is really wonderful so thank you for spending the time with us. Thank you very much Susan. I'm delighted to be joined um, right now by Aileen Crean and also by uh, Bill Shepherd from Tom Crean's Brewery. You're coming to us from, from the wilds of Kerry. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's not too wild this morning. It's looking good, Susan. Good. I'm glad to, glad to hear it. So what, what's fascinating to me about your brewery is the sense of, I suppose, legacy and place. In this episode, what we've been really delving into is um, a sense of place and a sense of story behind the beers. Um, the things that make them different to other beers on the shelf. Because sometimes when we think about craft beer, I think people understand the big badged beers you know, the, the macro beers. But then when they're thinking of craft beers, it's like, oh, it's just all these other little beers and how, how do I find my way around it? And I think the key into that is is place and story. And and from your point of view, what you're doing in your brewery really is key to that. So maybe you tell us a little bit more about, about your story and how you got here. Um, yeah, well, the history, uh, the choice of name was after my grandfather, Tom Crean, who was a um, famous Irish Antarctic explorer. I love the way you just say it. It's just like, oh, oh just my incredibly famous grandfather. <laughs> I think that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, You're so used to saying it that you don't think it's even remarkable. Know, yeah. it really and, and growing up as a child, uh, we were surrounded. Well, in one of the rooms, we had all his memorabilia. You know, I used to even have, I, was, I had access to his polar medals and everything. Now you have to handle them with 
white gloves there in the, in the museum. But um, when he retired from his expeditions, um, it was in 1920, so he couldn't talk about it. Well, he was he was a kind of a quiet man anyway, so it was as if he closed one chapter. Mm-hmm. And um, so he opened up a pub in Anaskal. But his wife came from a pub background, and uh, so she ran the pub. She was quite a matriarch. She lived with us until 67. But um, so he never kept a diary, and he never gave an interview. So... The only outward show of his expeditions was he called the pub the South Pole Inn in, you know, remote on the skull, Amazing. West Kerry. Um, and um, so then when we came up with the idea of the brewery, it seemed appropriate um, to honour him and call it uh, the South, uh, to call it the Tom Crean Brewery. Um, but at the same time, we wanted the beers to be of quality to stand on their own, not just on his heritage. I love the idea, though, that if he was a person who didn't tell his own story, that now you get an opportunity to do that, but in a different medium. Absolutely, yeah. We, through yeah, beer. Through beer. And, um, you know, the, the image the, uh, on, on our fish eyes, you know, it's the iconic image of Tom Crean. And uh, Michael, the family are indebted to Michael Smith because he wrote a book uh, about Tom's um, expeditions and also a children's book, which is on school curriculum. So, you know, it's kept the name of Tom Crean alive, which is great. And uh, he's associated with adventure and with courage and with the pub. That's wonderful. Um, so then the journey between having this idea of, of having the pub as, as a place and then um, thinking about producing your own beers as well. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I met Bill in um, Goa in India and then he, he really likes his beers. I love this idea. Like we've been talking about like South Georgia and Goa and, you know, Anna Skoll. Um, I, there's, oh, the I, adventurous, adventurous people running, running your lineage. It's magic. So you're off in Goa and you bumped That's into That's right, yeah. And, uh, and brought him back. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. And um, so I had been in Khmer since mm. the early 80s. I went there to work for one season in the Park Hotel and then opened up a restaurant and mm. uh, with B&B and... And uh, so then Bill and I got chatting and said, well, what about, you know, building a brewery in the backyard, as you do? <laughs> so that's uh, where we built the brewery. That's amazing. And so tell me a little bit more then about the beers that you produce. We've done, we've produced uh, 11 beers to date. We actually brewed a new beer at the weekend, which was great. Um, Yay! I had some old firemen colleagues from London over, which I hadn't seen for 25 years. They all came over on mass at the weekend and to celebrate we produced a new beer an esb 5.5 so that's oh, uh, an f28 fire quencher we produced at the weekend which is exciting um the other beers we've produced we've um the, the, the kind of slightly different beers we've produced we've produced a, a watermelon pale ale called corner boys something to talk about we produce a, a, a kerry surf and turf which is when I came to Kinmare and, and looked at Kerry and was just blown away by the landscape. And to celebrate the mountains and the sea, uh, we produced a beer that's based around a brown ale. We go to our neighbour's peat bog, we dig the turf, we, ster- we boil it up, we sterilise it. That goes in the mash. We go seaweed foraging down the Bearer Peninsula. And in this brew, we put in uh, sugar kelp. And it's about celebrating Kerry. Wonderful. We also do uh, a very popular uh, session IPA, our original red ale. 
We do an oak smoked wheat beer, which um, people are really interested in. That goes really quite well, but very different for the for the Irish palate. Um, we do a, a Kolsch style lager. We've done, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're pretty pleased where we are with our production of new beers at the moment. What I'm hearing from this is um, a huge amount of ingenuity and diversity um, that you're looking at um, classic beer styles from other places and giving them this unique and wonderful um, Kerry twist. And that just sounds utterly delicious. The feedback on the beers, we have to say, is, you know, we're really happy with the feedback to the extent that this weekend in uh, Blosna Herring, we've got three beers in the finals. Fantastic. That's really good to hear. Um, and Bill, your background in, in brewing, had you been brewing for a long time before you um, you founded this? Or, or tell me just a bit about that no, story. Originally, I've always had an interest in beer uh, and I've enjoyed beer, and different, but kind of brought up on cask beers. And uh, when I came over to Ireland, mm. it was obviously diff- completely different beer culture. And um, I kind of uh, was... You don't get those. Then you didn't get those variations in tastes and flavors, and so it was about hey, we can do we can do something here. So I literally went and learned how to be a brewer. We developed a recipe. We contract brewed it for two or three years, and then we said to tell the story of Tom Cream properly, to brew different beers, control production and quality. Mm-hmm. We need our own brewery, and that's what we did. You built this place. That's wonderful. I heard this great story that um, Camera, which is a campaign for real ale um, that's based in the UK, was founded in Ireland when a group of people came over and realised that they were so lucky to have real ale and that we had lost some of that culture here. So it inspired them to to make sure that it didn't get lost in the island next door to us. So it's it's wonderful to see you looking at um, from that point of needing and wanting that in the market that you, you solved your own problem and well the, lo- the lovely thing about camera it was just like five ordinary blokes who said let's do something about the loss of our beer industry yeah and it's now the largest food or food lobby organization in the world yeah it's it's, it's an amazing story fair play and the strength within that and and it kind of shows that doing something is how how you change it you know um that when you guys realized that contract brewing was a, a great starting step um but then that you had kind of almost outgrown that and had got to a point where you're like well now we want to we want to do something else and and the great success that you have now that your beers are being recognized in something like Blossom Heron yeah it, it, it's it's we're kind of making a tools for people so we can brew the beer but really, it's the consumer asking for the beer, asking for craft beers. That's going to drive the beer revolution in Ireland forward. Yeah, I think so, Bill. And I think also the people understanding that um, that your brewery depends on people drinking your beer and that consumers actually have a choice um, when they go to a bar um, or when they go to wherever they buy their beers from to support this indigenous industry and to support these these new and exciting offerings that just weren't there 25 years ago. You know, this is what's so exciting. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And and with our beers, um, and I suppose most craft beers, but they're just, as you know, four natural ingredients and our beers are vegan. So um, Mm. a lot of 
the, the big boys produce beers and they have chemicals and additives, whereas ours aren't. Yeah. And also the things that you are adding are things that are local um, that tell more of a story that are for a specific reason and show kind of imagination that those adjuncts are, are specifically to to increase the offerings of beers that you have. And that's that's really wonderful. And the tours allow us the opportunity to um, tell the story, the history of brewing in Ireland, like our, our lager, um, is St. Bridget's and most people like me when I went to school the nuns never t- told me she was a master brewer so uh, we're honouring St. Bridget with our lager and uh, and it allows us to tell the story of Tom Crean and share it and keep it alive and plus in, in Camara Camara is a beautiful town and beautiful surrounding area but um, this is the first kind of indoor um, experience that people can um, avail of very important when we know the weather can be inclement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I love this. Um, this was exactly what I was going to ask you about was this idea of like the history and linking to um, to the other stories of, of beer. St. Bridget is um, a woman close to my heart. I'm from Kildare. Um, and it always struck me that you're right. In primary school in Kildare, I wove Bridges Crosses every single yeah. um, St. Bridges Day, which is the 1st of February. And sure, it wasn't until a few years ago they told me that someone told me she was the patron saint of brewing. And um, apparently her prayer was that she wished she could have a lake of beer. And I was like, that's the kind of woman I like, you know. Yeah, yeah you got it. You got it. We share that every time on the tour. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's wonderful. And it's what actually that story is what got me interested in, in, in brewing and beer. So um, I think having a, a, a female um, who, who, was, who was making great beers back then means that there's no reason why there's not lots of women enjoying great beers and, and making great beers now. So tell me a little bit more about these tours that you offer. Uh, the, the tours, shall we talk about um, kind of the economics of brewing beer, brewing craft beers, because a lot of people don't understand the trials and tribulations of trying to get a tap in a bar. And uh, so it's an eye-opener in in lots of issues uh, about consumer beer buying. And then we talk about uh, how we brew beer. We talk about um, the history of beer. We talk about how about Tom Cream. We talk about our 2016 expedition to honour Tom Cream. And um, finally, we talk about our sustainability, which has been important for us since the day we built the brewery. So on the roof, um, since 2019, we've been producing our own electricity with PV to run the brewery. We're just talking at the moment with a couple of guys. So we're going to get vertical wind turbines to increase our, our production during the winter. We um, Last year, we're looking at ways how environmentally we can help the climate. Every decision we make, we do lots and lots of things. Last year, we worked out how to convert spent grain into silage. So we applied for a flock number. Mm. We got our own sheep last year. We fed our own sheep with our own spent grain. That works so well that this year we've doubled the number of sheep we have. Amazing. Um, that's going really good. This year's project was about building a polytunnel uh, at the house. We imported a biodigester from America and with the waste from the sheep, from the house, from the brewery, that produces all our uh, natural fertiliser for the grass for the sheep and it produces two hours worth of gas for the kitchen for us to cook with. That's amazing. Next year's project is about 
capturing CO2 because we're, we're looking at it originally from an environmental stance. However, economically now, it's a big issue. So now we're looking at, on, a, on a small scale uh, project to capture the CO2 for our own use in the brewery, but also to use up at the house in the polytunnel. So we're hoping to be fairly soon to be uh, a climate positive brewery. The tagline for us is, we want to produce a pint that doesn't cost the earth. I love it. And I think on that note, it's so lovely to wrap up um, our conversation. Being able to see so many opportunities. I love this kind of domino effect. You had this idea, you did one thing, it links to yeah. many, many yeah. others. And to find a way of doing that so that it's it's sustainable, um, that it thinks about the future, that it's not just for the moment um, and that your your beers um, have this ethos behind it of, of ingenuity and the past. I think it's really wonderful to be hearing these stories from you. So thank you so much for sharing them. Thank you, Susan. Thanks, Susan. Thanks for having us. I'm delighted to be joined by Adrian Heslin uh, from the West Kerry Brewery, which is Bjorkarkaglina, um, coming to us from the wilds of Kerry um, and, and the sunlight coming into the side of, uh, of your window. I can see you here. It's an absolute pleasure to have you um, have you join us on this um, podcast, Adrian. Um, how are you today? I'm grand. I hear you're busy because you've got some tourists in. <laughs> no, it's a tour, actually. It's a brewery Fabulous. tour. So, um, yeah, so a lot of our business is... Um, pre-planned brewery tours. So Super. Maybe you'll tell me a little bit more about that, about your brewery tours and what kind of experience people have when they come and visit. Yeah, so actually at this stage, we have a number of tour groups who use us regularly and we tend to, we really uh, kind of go after the bespoke market. So it's usually groups under 12 because that's what will fit in the brew house. Um, these people actually they roped me into making them bra- brown bread and chowder which I swore I wouldn't do because my kitchen isn't really open but you know it's easy to throw <laughs> I a love pot it. together not just brewer well I hear lots of people saying that brewing is, is really actually it's more I've heard my, my brewer friends describe it as being more like baking rather than cooking because you have to be quite yeah. precise about it um, so it's great to know that you can turn your hand to both things well, yeah, and actually, I think um, that's really where I, that's, that is uh, one of the key reasons I got into brewing. But I'm not at all precise. I'm the opposite, actually. And cooking is very feel your way. Um, yeah. So in brewing, I, I certainly have a much more creative streak um, and more ad hoc. But I rely on a very good colleague, Daniel, who's an Australian, and he works with me. Um, and we develop the recipes and that. But he puts in the, he gives us the um, the scientific, if you like, precise things that are needed, you know. And maybe you'll tell me a little bit more about that because I've had the absolute pleasure of enjoying your beers loads of times. Um, and the thrill of happening upon some of your seasonal beers. And what I love is the idea that for me, when I open them, I feel like I'm tasting a little bit of, of, of where you're from, where the brewery is from. Good. That's what we intend, actually. I, I, to be honest, I think most brewers are good cooks. I, I, I think you have a kind of a, a relationship to palate. And for me, the kind of the ethos of the brewery has really spawned from my own water well. We also now just use a fresh strain of yeast, which we've been using. I actually can't remember for how long. So we don't use any other yeast. Mm -hmm. And then just because 
I don't grow the barley and I'm not growing the hops. I was kind of desperate to get as much of the place into the beers. So started with the botanicals. Amazing. Um, and in fact, we've just brewed, I just have a bottle here. This is um, actually, it's a commemorative beer for my partner, Podrick, who died in 2001. Oh. And we do it kind of um, within our Riesk series. And those beers celebrate the area even more like uh, on Riesk is the name of the townland. And in like we put whatever is available by way of botanicals in the brew. Uh, this is actually just the second time that we brewed this. Um, we have some nettle, uh, some meadowsweet, meadow some yarrow. But we also add hops because we don't want um, to challenge the palate. We want, we want people to still enjoy it. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's kind of... So we, while um, other brewery models kind of style their beers um, around different yeasts and stuff, we don't. We're actually doing the opposite. Everything is about the place. Amazing. I love the idea that you propagate um, your own yeast. So that comes from the place and will obviously, through the generations of yeast, become even more about the place that it is. Precisely. So this is a beer that is all about the Dingle Peninsula. This it couldn't be made anywhere else in the world. Um, no. And I think that's delightful. Um, and then when you're foraging as well for your for your, um, for your gruit, I I really like this idea that, so Gruet is an ancient style of beer that was made without hops and used different herbs as flavourings. But I love yeah. your attention to knowing that we're not in the past. You're modern, you're um, looking yeah. for new customers who are well-versed um, in the flavours of beers, but you're giving them something that is so incredibly unique. Well, um, I, I think uh, maybe that's because essentially I was in the hospitality industry. Um, I'm kind of, I'm a publican by default, pure mm-hmm. you know accident. So people are coming here to experience the area. So it just seemed natural that in starting the brewery we would celebrate the place and add it to the cultural experience that the visitor intends to have. You know, so it is like listen to music go to art exhibitions, enjoy walking, go on the sea. You know, I I really see food experiences and drink experiences in the same realm. Mm -hmm. You know. I think it makes a lot of sense because I've done a good bit of research into um, just general tourism and every tourist is a food and drink tourist because no one comes to a place without eating or drinking. Yeah. Um, and if we know consistently that one of the top things that people want when they visit Ireland is to visit an Irish pub, then why wouldn't we give them that wonderful experience of actually tasting the things that we make? So it's amazing you're there making chowder, getting them to visit the brewery, but also creating a beer that is is so essentially from the place and from you as well, Adrian, because like it's your imagination and your mind that's creating this beer. It's not, you know, it's not a formulaic recipe. You you really have an attention to detail. Yeah. So like typically we would sort of um, make teas out of the botanicals and taste them, you know, just to see what mix to put in. Um, And as I say, I do really feel most brewers are good cooks. Mm -hmm. They really go hand in hand. I also like the idea that it's even it's about the hospitality of cooking because there's one thing about cooking to eat and to sate hunger but there's an absolutely different thing um, which is cooking for someone else. Brewers just do that on a bigger scale. Yeah, I just, I, and in fact, I'm only happy when I'm cooking for other people. I, just, I live alone and to be honest, um, I just, I love cooking and even for myself, I, I love to cook but I so much prefer cooking for others. Mm, um, me too. You know. 
I'm a bit lazy when it comes to cooking for myself. I just eat cheese and toast forever. But as soon as I get an opportunity to cook for other people. Yeah, you spring into action. I do. I love it. Very closely knit. And I think with the beer, the nice thing about it is that these bottles of beer um, and your beer gets to go other places even without you. So there's that sense of hospitality. And that's the lovely thing about about a beer, that it it can travel as well. So um, when I'm lucky enough to spot it in other places, when I'm not near where you are, um, I I just love it. It's my first go to because I'm like, I get to have a little taste, a little taste of a place I'd love to spend more time in and don't get down there often enough. Yeah, actually, we have a big, a big weekend this weekend, the Dingle Food Festival. Festival yes. And everybody's gearing up, very excited because it's the first time in three years that it's taken place. But I actually, I'm particularly excited myself because um, I have Jess Murphy from Kai Restaurant in Galway oh. coming on Friday, and we're doing a platter and a beer with the beer I showed. I showed um, the all seasons Groot, and the the platter is a sharing platter for two. Wonderful. Again, on that whole note of sharing. Um, but it's uh, black pudding and sausage rolls and some terrine pork and plum, uh, some pita bread and some local cheese and butter. It's all meat, nothing vegan or vegetarian. This is very specifically um, for the meat lovers. But the beer should go really well with it in that it is it does have bitterness, so it cut through the fat. Delicious. So we're quite excited about showcasing. That's going to be wonderful. And also the collaborative aspect that, you know, the beers that you make is a combination of you, where you are, the land, the, you know, the items that you might find, but also carrying on this tradition of brewing this and tradition of hospitality within um, within a pub setting, too. Um, yeah. But then also to get to play with someone else like Jess, who who loves yeah. food and flavours and those combinations. Yeah, she so she's bringing relishes and uh, chutneys and stuff like that. Um, to make it look pretty. Um, so, but I'm excited. I've met her a couple of times and she's a great champion for uh, local food and drink producers. Yeah, I've judged the Blossom Heron Awards with her a couple of times. It's always an absolute joy if she happens to be on my table or near my table. Um, and in relation to thinking about it, because it's so lovely that both of us are able to have a chat. And I'm, I'm thinking about how sometimes there's a feeling that there isn't as much space for women to enjoy beers. And I find that endlessly frustrating because uh, most of the people I know who have exceptional palates happen to be women. And I suppose you've been on this journey for a while now. How have you found um, that aspect of it? Like maybe growing the market or encouraging more women to try your extraordinary beers? Or have you noticed a shift or a change in those kind of attitudes? I haven't really. And I, I, I will be honest, like, so if I'm using the pub, bricks as my showcase, mm-hmm. as my platform. I mean, all the men and women, now loads of people on their holidays are couples, yes. like two people or families, and there'll be men and women. Yeah, Everybody drinks a beer. It's very seldom that, you know, a woman will go, no, I don't like beer. Because mm-hmm. they're coming here because they want the beer. So I've not, and it's also not something that I focus on too much because I mean to be honest like being in business is incredibly difficult as a woman Mm -hmm. it really just is um but I don't want to go on about it no (laughs) you know you know uh so as I say from people coming into bricks uh men and women drink beer like they do um I know even our cask beer for example I mean it's a sublime beer for even the person who would say I don't like beer they drink it, and it's got some so much chocolate malt in it. It's very low ABV, but it's as smooth as anything. Um, and I, I call it a good breakfast beer. 
that's the other thing about beer in my mind. I think beer belongs in the early part of the day. As the evening comes in, I think, you know, there's a shift to a different kind of beverage. Um, I, you know, uh, it's, and again, I think it's wonderful. Um, so when we do our tours, a couple of groups might want to come at 11.30. So they would have had their big hearty breakfast in their hotel. And that cast beer, a glass of that, is a perfect kind of digestive, if you like, for the breakfast they've just had. And it really does. It goes down so well. I love the idea of like what you need after a healthy fry (laughs) is a lovely, lovely drink of your cask beer, your cask ale. I also love the fact that it seems that what you've done is created a space for people to feel comfortable within. So there isn't going to be uh, men versus women, any of that kind of stuff. Because it's like, no, you're you're the person who's leading this and creating this space and come in and come in and have a glass of something delicious that I made. Very exciting. Yeah, and the whole emphasis as well. I think, again, coming from hospitality, I'm well used to, um, like, it's our, we're in the service industry, not the servant industry, the service industry, where we provide a service. And part of that is to make people feel welcome and comfortable and relaxed you know, there's so much stress out there. By the time you get here, like just that's what we want to do is provide that kind of comfortable space. Well, Adrian, you've definitely reminded me to put Dingle and the Dingle Peninsula and a visit to your brewery right back up at the top of my list of places that I have to go to really <laughs> soon. I'm wishing Fantastic. you all the luck um, for the fabulous Dingle Food Festival. I've no doubt it will go down an absolute storm. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode and giving us a little insight into, into your brain as a brewer. So thank you so Lovely. much. Thanks. On behalf of the Independent Craft Brewers of Ireland and Borbia, thanks to all our guests for joining me on this episode. And make sure you listen in to our next episode, which is going to be a look behind the labels of craft brewing and looking at branding in Irish craft breweries.